Welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar the Barbarian, joined today by Seth and Frankie, the authors of Twice Made, Once Forgotten. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, now, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at something here. Twice Made, Once Forgotten. It's a bit different than any game. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it's different than any module zine that I've seen yet. Could you explain what, what it is we're, we're looking at here and what it is you've created? Why don't you go ahead with this one, Frankie? For sure. For sure. Uh, so uh, this is a uh, system neutral setting document. Um, and there are two major parts to it. The first part is kind of like a breakdown of different species, intelligent species that are acting in the world, as well as um, some groups in the world. Um, each of these are broken not into one cohesive setting document, but instead presented um, for you to be able to lift and use however you see fit. Um, it's arranged a little bit different as a result of that on the species side of things. You know, normally you'd expect to see a great like dialogue of like, okay, and then this group interacted with that group and it's more disconnected for it. So that's a little bit of the trade-off that you're seeing in the document is, you know, how do you present something that's standalone, but, you know, doesn't, doesn't exactly interact with our group, but rhymes with it and could be used very easily with all the other things in the document. And that spills over the same into the situations or happenings um, that we present in the other half of the book, um, which are different scenarios for the, the players, to, for the GM to present to the players and for them to interact with. It relies on some of the species depicted earlier on in the book, you know, and some of the situations um, very easily tie into one another, but they're presented to be standalone such that the GM can just take them and use them as they see fit. You have presented some unique races, but the way that you're presenting them is unlike anything that I've really seen in a game. Could you tell us what you're doing there and what's going on? Um, we're departing from the standard breakdown of races where I don't, uh, like if I open up the PHB, uh, you're going to see, you know, names, height, weight, uh, slight discussion of their history and whatnot. But we're moving more towards the fact that each one of these each one of these races uh, does require its own way of looking at things to understand their plight and beliefs and existence in the world. Um, so when you look at, let's say, the Twilight Folk, uh, which are our version of Fae, Fae are, in this setting, a little bit more of a, a look back on the traditional Fae, but also through a, through a postmodern lens. So you have things like the Lord of Impossibility is a Fae. There's always a title for one they always think there's some sort of royalty and there's always some sort of idea that they are supposed to represent and with that uh when we present it it's presented through this lens of trying to understand what it means to be a fae as opposed to you know this is a standard rubric we're using our point is still gamifying but the rubric of standardizing races departs from some of the thesis and ideas that we're trying to get at. Um, see, so C. Wright Mills wrote uh, about the sociological imagination and trying to comprehend and understand the uh, differences in culture, society, sociologically, when you're examining and looking at things. That's where this kind of, I feel that this is kind of a strong point is that this kind of represents doing something like that. Would you say that I'm incorrect in assuming that? No, I think you're right on the money in that we are trying to 
hit that notion of all people, um, whether they're goats that have been turned sentient or uh, dwarves with uh, tusks, uh, should be treated and evaluated, um, evaluated is a bad word, should be treated and uh, welcomed into society based on who they are, uh, not the supposed what they are. But we can't discontinue those uh about discontinue that information of what makes them different it is going yeah. to be there yeah I, that's interesting frankie yeah no i think you're kind of like he said you've got it nailed down we want to respect but and present that each of these species are, are different and interesting for it and we are inviting you to engage with that you know meaningfully try to understand and put yourself in the situation uh, you know what is it what does it mean to be a robot man <laughs> <laughs> so what are the different races that are presented in the book uh why don't we go you present one frankie i present one you present one. <laughs> sure sure uh, so the first one i think about off the top of my head is the koza the koza are goats that were turned by the uh, capricious nature of a fae just decided to bestow upon them uh, human-like intelligence and human-like form, but that Faye is <laughs> cursed by overconfidence um, and uh, did a shoddy job of you know, transforming this herd of goats into sentient peoples. And as a result, not everything in life is easy for them. They have a, a lot of struggles because you know, some of them are, are born with you know, not hands, but hooves, which make it difficult to interact with the world, but, you know, they still stand on two legs and, and walk around and have the intelligence that a, you know, a human would. That's interesting. Group number one, uh, Seth. Uh, we'll go ahead with the, continue on the uh, path of created life with the vassal. Um, the vassal are a group of constructs created by a religious organization from the remnants of like these long ago lost huge constructs embedded in this world. And in the process, you have this religious organization creating uh, what they view as just mindless automatons and, you know, justified slavery while they're actually, you know, just taking this taking this uh, sort of powered down sentient AI and breaking it up and, giving them new life and these vassal mm -hmm. are trying to get away from that yeah. uh the slavery obviously liberation yes <laughs> liberation indeed uh but liberation in, in like the physical sense but also in the mental sense as they try to figure out what it means to be exist in the first place what's the rancor the rancor is kind of a it's a group more than it is a species like the other ones are mm -hmm. the idea behind the, the inspiration from the, the Rancor is like a group of people that feel like they know what's best for another group and are willing to commit violence in order to make that a reality in the world. Um, I think a big inspiration historically was like the Crusades mm -hmm. um, for us in that group. And it's a group from outside of the local area that's come in to try to quote unquote, make things right in some sort of way. They have their own... <laughs> individuality and uh, their own uh, ethos um, that they like to espouse. They like to talk about, uh, what is it, uh, willful association. So they would say that each of them is a free man that is uh, freely chosen to associate into this hierarchical 
organization and that they think that that is the, the best way and that all things should operate. And they're willing to make certain that other people are likewise free like them through their use of force. Interesting. I, I really appreciate it. That's an interesting. That's <laughs> not something that hasn't happened. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, additionally, we also have the assembly of humans, which are kind of the other side of that same to, uh, same coin where they, unlike the Rancor, they're not nearly as nomadic or necessarily uh, take, take their bloodshed uh, physically, but more so they are a organized, organized religion that sort of has decided that human life is a specific blessing and anything outside of that is unorthodox and unorthodox needs to follow a strict hierarchy below below the rest of the assembly so it has a certain uh how would i put this critique of modern religions but also we're trying to push away from the concept that the people who are necessarily like at the bottom of this hierarchy are totally unsavable there's definitely a discussion here of these are people who are just looking for something to believe in um and this is something that has wormed its way into their brains interesting when you're presenting all this because it's not there's not like when i usually get a role-playing game book and they give me a new race or a new class or something like that there's usually stats and stuff like that mm-hmm. and there's plus two to your strength plus three. <laughs> <laughs> but you're yes. more breaking down um the social dynamics within the um within the between the races within the races and stuff like that would that be a correct assumption of what it is that you've done here i think uh there is a correct assumption there because we're trying to we are not to say that we're trying to push away from the physical because that's clearly not the case we're talking about the koza who have this very clear uh disproportionate development of you have goats that are walking upright and kind of just like humanoid goat people but then you have the other side of the coin who are you know, stuck with these hooved hands and like this, like halfway between man and goat, um, which definitely limits their ability to number one, interact with the world and as well, like do things amongst human or goat. And then we have the, uh, our dwarves, which are sort of modeled after uh, what if Neanderthal developed alongside man, which have uh, a not only the physical differences that we associate with uh, Neanderthals, tusks, large arms, hulking bodies, but also just a different way of looking at the world, a different way of analyzing value and deciding what is important and so on. But we are staying away from stats. And I think a lot of that comes from uh, some of the discussions that spawned this, which I will let Frankie talk about here in a second, uh, just because I think placing stats uh, within this, so if we were to do this in 5e or do this in old school essentials or something where we have that strict rubric of stats, uh, I think that would undermine the points we're trying to make. So we are presenting this as system neutral and we invite any GM to totally think about like if they're going to have characters and they want to um, they want their players to balance based on these races to think about that and use the rubric that whatever system they've used uses but 
also to keep in mind that the point of this is both to acknowledge those differences, but not make those differences uh, the crux of race. And to piggyback off of that, you know, we're, I think that there's an ongoing discussion about like the essentialism that can sometimes be communicated uh, by stats when you're assigning them to a species in a, in a game, right? <laughs> what does it mean when we say that uh, being a dwarf gives you plus two constitution? I think that's kind of unavoidable when we're engaging in game systems, right? You know, it's a role-playing game. And games kind of necessitate numbers in some sort of way. But in part, we're taking a little bit, maybe not the coward's way, but I guess I'll, I'll label it like that, uh, of not assigning numbers and leaving it up to you to decide how your system interprets the existence of these things. You know, our duty as the author is to uh, depict them and uh, give you give you an accurate picture and, and make it easy for you to engage with them. You know, if, if you read through the description of the different species, I think you'll have a good idea of what their existence is like. And from there, we kind of like dust our hands and say, you know what, turning those into numbers is your job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah. I think, and, and, and one of you had said something before uh, that, that I'm trying to uh, like, like, like despite differences that exist, um, something about it like 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 i'm trying to remember what it is that i think it was you frankie that had said it like despite there being differences leaning into something like uh oh yeah how so was the, the, the how was what, the phrasing you had used yeah that like, something despite, about equality or or, or mm-hmm. acknowledgement i can't remember what it was <laughs> <laughs> yeah so to one of the most important things for us is that I think we want to acknowledge that there are real differences, um, you know, in this fantasy world between species, but obviously that carries out into the real world as well. Like there are people with differences, period. You know, uh, both of us, uh, both me and Seth struggle with neuroatypicalness. And so that, that is our differentness. And, you know, we don't run from that. We acknowledge it. And, just like in the real world, we need to acknowledge differences, but respect the autonomy of people to make their own decisions about their life and uh, respect that they are beings deserving of respect. <laughs> they're, they're, you don't need to do anything to be respected. You don't have to create things to in some specific hierarchy. In, in the world of capitalism, you don't have to produce something to be valuable. You, just simply existing is enough. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a great deal. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> now we're getting to be about up on time. Could you tell the listeners where they can find where they can where they will be able to find Twice Made, Once Forgotten, and where they can find you all online? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, uh, Twice Made, Once Forgotten will be on both of our itch pages. Um, mine is Frankie Steinat dot itch.io um seth lane dot itch.io but yeah, uh, to say yes. that work i'll be down in the uh link down in the description <laughs> and yes. that's for any updates on uh physical printing that we're going to have on it you know we have our print run for the kickstarter that's going to be sent off um where those physical prints live afterwards has yet to be determined but the information will exist on our itch page about where they wound up uh i also do a patreon and there's a link for that also on my itch uh, i release once a month, a little pamphlet style adventure that will explore things not as deep as this, but uh, <laughs> is still different. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you both for coming on. It's been great talking to you. Uh, thank you for having great us. Great talking to you too. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, give us a positive review wherever you're listening. You can find us on Facebook. Just search Wildlies and Wizards. Wildliesandwizards.com is our blog. I'm on Twitter at Logar Hale Crom. Our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Wildlies and Wizards. We could use the support. And as always, keep those dice rolling.